I'm Jamie Mo Crazy, and you're listening to Life Gets Mo Crazy, where we'll hear from people who either been through a trauma or helped someone else through. Listen and learn strategies you can implement in your life. So when a metaphorical avalanche slides you down the mountain of life, you can climb an alternative peak with the best view. I am here today with Elena K. Fong, who received her PhD in clinical neuropsychology with an emphasis in neuroimaging from Brigham Young University. During her academic career, she received various awards concerning brain mapping, and since then, her research and efforts have been focused on the clinical application of fMRI, which is a functional magnetic resonance imaging, or fMRI. In tandem with Dr. Allen, Dr. Fom has published numerous articles combining neuropsychology and neuroimaging. And now, the reason I'm so honored Dr. Fong took the time to be with us here on Life Gets Mo Crazy during the Brain Injury Alliance of Utah's March campaign geared towards caregivers is because, drumroll, she is the president of the Brain Injury Alliance of Utah. And she's also a board member of the United States Brain Injury Alliance. So I'm guessing she can answer some of the questions we've been dying to know about this campaign and ways we can get involved. So to start out with things, let me just ask you, what is the Brain Injury Alliance of Utah? So thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm honored as well, Jamie. Um, And to just quickly answer your question, the Brain Injury Alliance of Utah is the Utah State chapter of this national organization called the United States Brain Injury Alliance, whose mission is to increase awareness and resources uh, for uh, caregivers and survivors of traumatic brain injury. Basically, we want to be able to help them in any way we can. So if someone has a traumatic brain injury, what kind of struggles will develop, do you think? Oh, my. Um, there are so many different struggles um, that someone with brain injury can uh, can anticipate, um, you know, and it all depends as well as how severe your brain injury was. Uh, but usually a brain injury can affect pretty much all aspects of your life, you know, um, how you uh, function cognitively, uh, how you function emotionally, um, how you function physically, you know, um, as well as uh, relationships, you know, um, this is a very uh, widespread problem uh, that can affect um, several, several, if not all areas of one's life. And not only can it affect the survivor, but it can have um, really burdensome effects on loved ones and caregivers and people who uh, support that individual. Yeah, and that brings us to the next thing. So I read in the statistic that 2 million people in the U.S. get a brain injury every year, which means if there's too many 
million people who are survivors of a brain injury, think about all of their loved ones and caregivers that are affected. So we are dealing with millions and millions of people who are affected by a brain injury, which is why the Brain Injury Alliance of Utah is partnering with Mo Crazy Strong to produce a March campaign. Yes. And again, we are so honored for this partnership. And we we know that with your efforts, we can reach so many more people in Utah and maybe even people outside of Utah. So what are you trying to promote for to caregivers during this campaign? So this is our very first annual um, uh, March awareness campaign. And really, our purpose is to try to forward uh, the mission of the Brain Injury Alliance, you know, and we have several um, kind of pillars uh, for our for our organization. Uh, the first pillar is personalized support for the survivor themselves. Um, many people uh, in Utah may not be aware that if they suffer a brain injury, there are potentially state provided funds that can help them get the resources that they need, um, perhaps. Uh, evaluations and even care. We also would like to help survivors understand what other programs, state programs that they might be eligible for, because this can be a very costly process, not just financially, but emotionally. You know, we'd like to also provide emotional support and wellness program activities for these survivors. Um, we can get them access to free yoga classes, exercise, um, mindfulness as well. Now that also goes for the caregivers. We need to provide caregiver support groups, specialized education for these caregivers and a wellness program for caregivers as well. Um, and, you know, also make sure that caregivers understand that they may need a day out, you know, and uh, maybe some, some assistance for running errands. And uh, I don't think people really fully understand unless you're in it, how taxing it it can be to be a caregiver. Um, another pillar is also um, traumatic brain injury education and prevention uh, to school systems, um, to, uh, to any individual. And then uh, last but not least is what we call advocacy. Um, try to affect ch legislative change uh, in Utah. Um, uh, regarding um, helmet laws and uh, returning to learn, returning to sports um, and, and other issues like that. Yeah. And as far as preventative care and helmets go, I was actually in a documentary a couple of years ago called Helmets Are Cool put out by the High Fives Foundation based in California. And I was so into it because I firmly believe the harder and harder our tricks are getting and we're pushing ourselves. I mean, I was a professional freestyle skier. That's doing flips and spins on snow. And if I'm going to want to do double flips, I should put a bucket on my head. All you have to do is put a, a helmet on. And sometimes people will say, yes, but helmets don't prevent all injuries. You still had a coma wearing a helmet because I w was wearing my helmet when I crashed. 
And I say, well, yes, of course. It's like putting your seatbelt on does not prevent all injuries from a car accident, but it does prevent many injuries and it's statistically proven. So if putting a bucket on your head can prevent injuries, and then even once you get mild injuries, you know what to do and you know like how all the different aspects can play into your brain's healing. There's so many things. There's there's resting. There's working your body in the right way. There's the nutrition that goes into you. There, there's so many aspects that affect you after you've had a mild brain injury so you don't have symptoms that are just reoccurring from it. Which is interesting because as, as the director of communication for Life Gets Mo Crazy, I can tell you that yesterday I was outside all day on the back porch. It's a, it's a beautiful scenery, but we were working with the film crew. We were filming all these 10 videos that we're going to be presenting on the caregiver campaign. And some of them are partnered with a one-page printable PDF document that you can just print out and put on your fridge that will give a little bit more information about the videos. Um, but when I was filming that, I was really excited because my mom and my sister and I were the three that were there. And I am a survivor of a traumatic brain injury. And my mom and my sisters were very involved caregivers. So when they are speaking to the camera, they are speaking about a personal experience, which is why there's some pretty emotional things happening in the videos because we're giving advice and and also it's from a it's from a caregiver to caregivers which is different than just generically saying statistically what you should be doing but saying you know that that call that call that will change your life i can't even give it justice but i'm pretty excited because i think it's really beneficial that it, we're running this campaign from caregivers to caregivers because they they do need so much support because it happens in the blink of an eye. You know, if you want to go to solve traumatic injuries, go be a doctor. You'll go through 10 plus years of schooling. Yeah, if you become a caregiver, it's instant. Yes, exactly. And um, I feel, we feel at the Brain Injury Alliance that and that that's why the caregiver is just as important of a of a pillar for us as the actual patient themselves um because in some cases you know even in some more severe traumatic brain injury um there is not much awareness on behalf of the patient as to how debilitating their injuries are and what effect they have on their families and caregivers and it can feel very burdensome and very lonely. And I feel, and we, we know that caregivers need that support as well. Yeah. So one of the, one of the videos coming up is about caregivers needing support and taking time to do things for yourself, which is a really important thing. Like you mentioned at the very beginning, a lot of times caregivers care about their patients so much. It's all about them but you need to put on your oxygen mask first. You need to heal yourself as well as, as, as healing the survivor. And another thing that we bring up in the videos, in the educational videos that will be out this month, um, is we bring up that quite often the survivor does not understand the facts of life as they are <laughs> facts of life. 
Like the fact that I didn't know my little sister because when I was recovering, I thought that I was about eight years old in the hospital, even though I was 22 years old. And so I knew I had a little sister, which (laughs) sometimes you might not even know that, but I knew I had a little sister, but I was envisioning that she was like a young little sister. And at the time I had a little sister who was a teenager. She was fully developed and she looked like an adult. And I said, I didn't think she was my little sister because my little sister is really little. And that was really challenging. So the point is that just when you're recovering from a brain injury and the caregivers in your life are so involved, they might not actually be appreciated by the survivor. And the survivor might not actually be thinking they're being helpful or recognize them. And don't take it personally because quite often – things are taken personally that the survivor doesn't even mean to be doing. So you've done, you you have a lot to do with brain injuries. Um, You're the president of the Brain Injury Alliance of Utah, and you're also a board member of the United States Brain Injury Alliance. And what are some suggestions that you would give to some caregivers who are listening into this right now? So one of the one of the things that I would definitely recommend to a caregiver is to have a support group, to have an outlet where you feel like it's safe to be able to talk about shared experiences. I think um, sometimes that there there can be um, caregiver guilt, uh, caregiver um, uh, fatigue. Uh, and there needs to be, you need to have a way to express those feelings and feel validated and, uh, and, and feel accepted and, and have a safe place to express some of the joys of caregiving and some of the, the hardships of caregiving and feel like it's, it's okay to, to, to vocalize those things. Um, so, you know, caregiver support is, is a huge, um, I think, uh, important part of this journey that you just got thrust into. Um, one of the other things that I would strongly recommend, Jamie, is something that you said, which is, you know, trying not to take some things personally, because often the, the, the brain injured person does not always have full control over what they're saying. And they don't mean some of the things that they say, right, Jamie, I'm sure you can point out some things that you've said that you just wish you never said, but you didn't have control of yourself in the situation, you know? Um, and, uh, that, that is one thing that I think, um, is, is really important is to understand what to take personally and what not to take personally. Um, the other thing is to have some time outside of caregiving. You need to have your own time to heal and to be yourself and, you know, to have an identity outside of caregiving uh, as well. Um, and then also, you know, to, to make sure that it's okay for you, for you to not feel guilt about um, needing those breaks. I think those are really important aspects of caregiving that may not be um, uh, emphasized as much. You know, that I, that I know that, that this month, uh, from a caregiver to other caregiver, caregivers, uh, will be an important part to emphasize. And I agree that with those, 
points that you mentioned. And something else I would say is important is when you don't feel guilt, like you mentioned, for doing things on your own, and also don't feel guilt about feeling overwhelmed a little bit and a little stressed out. Because the truth is, is that in those critical first days, no matter how bad the injury is, you're going to feel overwhelmed. You didn't expect this. You're going to feel stressed. So it's okay to feel bad. And as soon as you do, the next thing you need to do is start taking steps. And one of the most important things when you're taking some of those original steps is to be having fun in the process. When I left the hospital and was out on my own a couple months after my coma, I was really, really weak. And as someone who had been a professional athlete, my entire life I was an athlete, being really weak was not something I had ever experienced in my life. So it was really overwhelming, depressing, humiliating. And when I would go on walks with my family, because we did a lot of outdoor therapy, so I would go on walks. I couldn't go more than five minutes without taking a break. And it was so, like I mentioned, frustrating to need to take all those breaks. And so my mom thought creatively about it. And she said, okay, well, instead of saying, let's take a break every five minutes, let's change it to look at the view. Because we were hiking in Park City, Utah, which is amazing views. So I would walk along and every time I needed a rest, I would say, hey, look at the view. And it always had a good view. So we would look at the view and then I'd be like, okay, I'm ready to keep going. And just transitioning some things like that during the recovery process to instead of feeling like depressed and overwhelming, but you can figure out how to think of it creatively, make it fun and lighthearted will help out a lot during the process. And that's something that's important for survivors and caregivers. So caregivers, instead of thinking of the things as being overwhelming and stressful, figure out how to make a switch and think of it creatively and produce something that's fun for both of you. I love that. You know, the other thing I would add as well is that it's going to be a forever learning process, right? I mean, um, there's so much new science coming out with brain injury. We know so much more about the brain than we did even a few years ago. And one of the things that the Brain Injury Alliance um, provides uh, for caregivers and, and survivors and even clinicians that work in the field is um, we do an annual conference every year, a professional educational conference that anyone's invited to attend. Um, and we are also going to be starting uh, next year, actually, um, a caregiver uh, conference as well. And so there are at least two opportunities a year for for us to educate ourselves more on, on um new strategies, new science, and uh, new breakthroughs in in neuroscience and what, what we understand about traumatic brain injury. And so to always stay up, up to date and to always be learning and educating yourself uh, is something else that I would recommend too. Education about brain injury is always changing. And it's pretty remarkable when I crashed in Whistler and I went to Vancouver General Hospital I was actually the first patient in North America to receive an oxygen and pressure analyzing brain bolt. 
And they have used the pressure analyzing brain bolt quite frequently. That's where they take out part of your skull because it's swollen to give your brain room to swell, if you've heard of that. But they had not made a combination of pressure and oxygen. And how they used to test out your oxygen was through your finger. And so when I arrived one day, my finger said I was fine. But my brain, the bolt of my brain said I was one point away from permanent brain damage because I did not have enough oxygen. So they had to fix that. And since they started using that procedure, their critical coma success rate has doubled, which is <laughs> crazy. And it's crazy to think about the fact that just one year difference between your, your care, things have changed. They didn't know about it. Now they do. So there's so many things like that. We have suggestions that we're going to present throughout the month in different videos for different ways that helped us, but it's not a black and white situation. So what helped me is not exactly what will help you. And that's very important to understand that everything that is shared about brain injury is not black and white and does not mean it will be exactly the same for the caregiver or the survivor who's listening to this. You might need to do something different. Maybe when you're feeling emotional and overwhelmed, the best thing for you is to take a bubble bath. Maybe you hate taking bubble baths and the best thing for you is to sip hot chocolate. Maybe the best thing for you is to listen to music. The, the point of this campaign is to realize that there's different ways you can think about things. You're not alone. So there's so much different advice that you can take and people you can connect to. And you never know who's going to have the idea that's going to click for you and help you out the most. Because what's going to happen for that caregiver campaign is that I'm going to give a roughly 15-minute um, keynote and then we're going to be questioned and answered by my mom, my sister, and me. So that's pretty exciting. And then one of the main things, as was pointed out, overall, the whole campaign, a big message that we point out and is very important, is that you are not alone. And that is something that a lot of caregivers feel they're thrust into this role. Most don't know anything about brains and how they work in, in neuroscience or neuroplasticity. There are many caregivers who get thrust into this role and have never even heard of the word neuroplasticity and don't understand that you can recreate synaptic connections in your brain and, and you can heal these things. They have no idea. And so they feel so abandoned and all alone. So the education is really important as well as the connection and the communication surrounding brain injury for caregivers. Is there anything else you'd like to touch on? Yeah, I just think um, one thing that I, I, I like how you kind of said it's the connection, the communication, but it's also the community. I think that those are the three things that, um, you know, that, that really, especially if you're a new caregiver, um, that, 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 you need in order to yourself survive this time, you know, um, is reaching out and not being afraid uh, to reach out for help. And, and that's what we are here for. The Brain Injury Alliance of Utah is here for you. 
And so if you were just thrust into being a caregiver and you feel like you don't have community support, um, is that what you're suggesting to reach out to the burn injury alliance in your state? Because there's ones in different states, right? So let's go even beyond Utah. Like say that you live in a place that you feel really alone and confused about this. What are the steps that you should take or you can take? If you're not sure if your state has an alliance, you can always call us and we can figure out what state you're in and get you in touch with the people there that you need, uh, that that you can access for resources. So that's the first thing, you know, it's just reaching out to somebody because we can get you in touch with, with anyone in your vicinity or your state that can help you. Amazing. So that's how you can build the community around it is even if is and it kind of works out for us to build the build a community you can go through virtually because that's something that can affect a lot of people with with covid happening as well and if they're caregivers and with covid they all they're doing is is staying in the house and so reaching out and finding a support system online like brain injury alliance of utah you can reach out and you can start connecting and getting ideas without ever leaving your house. You're right. And I mean, you know, speaking of COVID in and of itself, COVID is, you know, this has caused so much loneliness, you know, and isolation. Um, And if you've been through COVID and you're still having these long-term problems, you know, we have connections with uh, different long hauler and survivor cores for COVID, you know? So, um, don't feel, um, just call us. If there's any question, we'll try to get you to the right place. You know, if it's brain injury, if it's COVID, if you're feeling lonely, you know, um, and uh, you, you need some help, we, we can help get you to the right place. And that's a very important thing to touch on with the COVID because one of the symptoms that you get is brain fatigue which is very similar to a traumatic mm-hmm. brain injury. Traumatic means something happened and hit your head or you, you crashed into something causing it. Yet COVID also will give you a lot of similar mm-hmm. symptoms and ways to go out. So combating it and healing from COVID symptoms has a lot of similarities with brain injury. And as you mentioned, it, it's a different kind of a brain injury, but it is a brain injury. It's not traumatic brain injury. It's COVID brain injury. Yeah, in fact, um, I, I've been uh, presenting at a lot of conferences and, and uh, different presentations uh, across the country and virtually about the neurologic, the physiologic, and the, the, the psychological and sociological effects of COVID. Uh, and what we're finding is that it should be actually classified as an acquired brain injury because of how it affects the brain. You know, and so truly, if you are struggling with the after effects of COVID and you feel like there's some brain related issues, um, reach out to us because there may be some help um, and potentially some some state recognition and uh, some funding that can help. Um, One plug that I just have to make sure that we put in here is um, this whole month of awareness with this partnership between um, the Mo Crazy team, the Brain Injury Alliance could not have occurred without the support of the TBI Fund of the state of Utah. 
Um, and Tracy Barney, who is uh, the director of that fund, has been instrumental in helping us as a brain injury alliance and um, helping fund this initiative. And so we just have to make sure that um, that the TBI Fund of Utah gets recognized because this, this is their purpose to increase awareness and resources for not only the survivors, but for the caregivers. So thank you so much to Tracy and the TBI Fund as well. That was great. <laughs> um, do you have any last conclusion? My only conclusion is to stay tuned for a wonderful month of great resources and exciting ideas and news. And uh, we look so forward to being able to provide as much information as we can to the brain injury community. And thank you so much for your support over the years. Follow along with the Heal the Healers series produced by Mo Crazy Strong for the Brain Injury Alliance of Utah. You can sign up for emails so you never miss a thing at utahbraininjury.org. And don't forget to follow Mo Crazy Strong and the Brain Injury Alliance of Utah on Instagram. And of course, subscribe to the Life Gets Mo Crazy podcast.